What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It is episode number 264 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Friday, March 17th, with featured player Josh Cannon and musical guest Mike Brown. And now uh, your host. I, I don't know about I don't know about musical. Like I think I think you got it mixed up there. Uh, Want to be Don Pardo? Listen, you little motherfucker! Nobody interrupts <laughs> Don Pardo. This is oh sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I just thought I'd try something different for the intro. I don't know. I thought I thought it was at first like David Miscavige if he was a game show host. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh. Like, if he didn't go into Scientology, like, he probably would have been a good game show host. He was too short, though. The camera wouldn't be able to see him compared to the other people that you just see the top of his head, and then you'd see everyone else normal height. Is Patch Sajak that tall? Yeah, I don't don't know. Um, How tall is Pat Sajak? We're about to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Pat Sajak is only 5 foot 7 inches. Damn. Average, and I, average height. Is that average height for a man? I think it is. Not, not an American man. Maybe a Japanese. Not an American man. man. Yeah, I mean, it, I think average height is more like five nine. You know, the average height for Scandinavian men is six foot. That is the average. Must be nice. Yeah, right. So that means like, on average, you're at least going to be six foot, but most likely you'll be taller. You might be a little shorter. But yeah, yeah, yeah. In America, I think it's like five nine or five ten. Speed of average, for the most part, uh, you know, uh, work life is very average for me, uh, except for the fact that things are getting shadier and shadier as uh, each week goes by. I heard something about a, a mysterious RV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was I think it was last night. Um, there was some RV that was parked in the parking lot at Michael's. And there was some guy who was like asking people in the parking lot if they wanted to buy shit from him. And it got so bad that uh, guests in the store were like talking to managers. And one of them actually took me aside. It's like, hey, are you going to do something about this guy who's like selling, who's asking if, you know, people want to buy gel pens in the parking lot? Oh and I'm like, yeah. And it was so many uh uh complaints that eventually one of the managers she called the cops and i didn't see it but i heard about what happened where i guess there was like three cop cars that showed up eventually they uh surrounded the rv and i don't know what they said uh I don't, they probably one of the cops probably got out was like hey you know get get out of here <laughs> I really hate I, I'd hate to be the guy to break it to the uh, RV guy, but uh, gel pens are legal in all 50 states. Uh, you, you don't have to you don't have to, to, to solicit people to buy your ill begotten gel pens. But here, here's here's yeah, ill ill gotten gel pens. Um, here's my theory, like because shoplifters are so fucking brazen nowadays. I would not be surprised one second if it was if it was if it's the same guy who's like stole who's stolen like a ton of shit from our store and now he's so brazen that he's trying to sell stolen gel pens in our parking lot <laughs> you know if it was a mom and pop short store i'd be outraged but like these mega corporations i, I really don't shed a tear 
Um, I, I, you know, since I work for them and, and it affects, uh, our salary, you know, our wages and it affects, uh, other things. Um, nah, they got built in, man. It's called shrink. They got, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not as, it's not as helpful as you think it is in terms of like helping with payroll. Like that shrink doesn't do anything for payroll. Um, but we haven't necessarily been hit as hard as other places have been. But uh, it's still an ongoing battle, and it's and uh, it's so annoying because you just get repeat offenders where you're like, yeah, all right, fucking red hat guys back with his cart and yep. bags of shit that he already stole from other stores. That's yeah, he's gonna steal some more stuff. That's how it was at CVS back when I worked yeah. there. Yeah, you had the. The troublemakers that would come in, and it, every fucking time, it was like they they would never just act right. They'd always go in there with some nefarious purpose, and they they all knew. Yeah, it's like, and then you can slap a trespassing warrant on them. But see, the the, the problem with that is the same problem at bars when people get banned. You know, because now mm-hmm. now I've moved on to bars instead of uh, you know instead of dealing with customers when they're sober i have to deal with them when they're drunk now so that's that's a nice thing oh oh we still have to deal with customers when they're you know less than sober because a lot of the people who come in and shoplift or tend to be substance well abusers yeah of some kind. but i'm talking just people the people i'm dealing with are people who under any other normal circumstance when sober would probably be a lot more pleasant to deal with are, yeah. are now the same level of crazy but now now they're trying to sing along to the karaoke while they're sitting down you know at the bar oh no <laughs> yeah like i made a post about that last night and then i just kind of deleted it because i'm like because <laughs> some dude like actually can so on on my facebook page i'll do what i call karaoke logs where i just kind of uh-huh. i cite the most ridiculous actions of the people at my karaoke gigs and um one of the guys who came to my uh power man 5000 show which i'll talk about in a second um he he usually comes out to our shows and he supports us but he also comes to my karaoke gig he's like yo man why do you got to make those karaoke things on Facebook, pe- putting people on blast like that? They're just trying to have fun, and, you know, like, why are you making fun of them? And I'm like, dude, I only post the most extreme examples on there. Yeah. Like, I'm not posting every single bad singer, because God knows if I did that, your whole news feed would be clogged with nothing but me <laughs> posting every single singer. I only... It, it would just be quickly unfollow and and i don't (laughs) even i I don't even post like (laughs) bad singers per se i just post if they're doing something weird if they're yeah it's got to be really out of the ordinary to make it onto one of my karaoke logs or you got to be doing something extremely just fun tongue-in-cheek stuff or when they like mess up and request yeah and and i never i never like out them i never say who their name is or whatever like that so i mean it's really like i mean kind of one of those like people are becoming overly sensitive things like come on man like are you really giving mm. me shit about this but then like it kind of got in my head and i was like well what if what if other people feel that way too and like oh you know even though like most people laugh at the status updates like what if they're a, like a small swath of people out there who are like man josh is kind of a dick you know so i'm kind of I'm saving the karaoke logs now for, like, the most extreme examples. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean, the people, like, last night, I'm, like, doing my karaoke gig. 
and someone's singing a song and as soon like three uh three girls come in and one of them instantly starts singing along like uh i forget what song it was it was um like I'm just a girl or something like by no doubt, and she comes in singing oh, okay. like this. I'm just a girl, yeah, some kind of freak, and, and, and it's just like uh, okay. First of all, you just walked in the bar. You haven't even established yourself as a presence here, and you're already like got this hardcore look at me energy, which I hate that character trait of people who look at me look at me it's like fuck you no one cares about you you're not special shut the fuck up you know until you've at least established yourself as like cool and you know you're in the bar for a bit and 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 you've mingled with people and you know whatever but you know it's like oh i'm the crazy one you never know what i'm gonna do look at me i'm walking in fearlessly singing along look how comfortable i am with myself like it's like no no you're just a jackass that's that's all (laughs) all you are but anyway yeah no that sounds annoying but it, it sounds like it could also be a lot worse like what if you know she just jumped on the stage and then took the mic away (laughs) well this particular gig there is there there is no uh stage but people have okay people have definitely grabbed the mic out of other people's hands before and at that point, it's like, dude, it's not my fucking job to police that. At that point, the singer has to kind of like that. That that's kind of their own situation. They signed up to sing, and occupational hazard, you know. Like I'm <laughs> only in very extreme examples. Like if it's a really timid person and some big, like much bigger guy, just grabs the mic out of their hand, I will like kind of cut the song and be like, "Yo, man, give the mic back to the singer," you know, whatever the fuck. But if it's if they're all kind of like dancing together, you know, and someone just kind of casually grabs out of their hands, like I'm not going to police that, you know. It's just like, yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, there, there's there's a certain you know time there, and a there's, place for that. There's a certain communalism, you know, <laughs> communal thing with uh, karaoke sometimes, where like you know, even though only one person signed up for the song, there'll be five, like an entourage uh-huh. of five people up there around them, you know, kind of yeah. singing along and it's just like, whatever. So speaking of communal, uh, it was definitely quite a, a communal experience uh, being in a mosh pit, right? Man, you and your fucking segues, Mike, getting better and better. Um, no, Stephanie was in the mosh pit. I was on stage observing oh, okay. the mosh pit and observing just how like brutish and uh just kind of like primitive they really are. Um so But you've seen like you saw you've seen mosh pits on camera before. Yeah, but... it's different in person though. And I mean I've, yeah. I've even seen them in person and 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 even when I was younger going to like you know, back when hardcore and metalcore were like really big in like the mid two thousands. Um, even back then, I was like, "Man, someone's gonna get hurt." It looks like they're literally like air fighting, and yeah. it's just a matter of time before one comes into the other's orbit, mm-hmm. and you get a fucking fist to the face, and that shit hurts. And yeah, you can't really. I mean, sometimes people absolutely do retaliate, and they'll like it, and they'll start a fight, even though it was an accident. But the whole yeah. thing's fucking dis- like it's 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 stupid as fuck because it's like you the kind of like the general consensus is like you know what you're getting into when you get into the pit so you can't really cr- uh-huh. you can't really cry about it if you get like an accidental fist to the face. There's like one 
there, I've seen some posts from some guys on Facebook. I don't know if it was on your page or not, but there were some people who was like, yeah, man, you know, I can't go in the pit anymore. I'm too old. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, be like in the back. <laughs> I never, even when I was like a teenager, I, I never got into the pit because I was like, this looks incredibly like just the lowest like the lowest form well, it's of, called the pit like when is that ever a good thing? yeah <laughs> remember army of darkness like in the pits <laughs> then you have the punji pits in the vietnam with yeah. the spikes and shit but uh um, yes but yeah no my band uh last week opened up for um the the new metal outfit power man 5000 mm-hmm. they were they were big in the um early aughts i would say um i mainly remember them from their song worlds collide on tony hawk pro skater 2 yeah which to like actually hear a song live that i i heard a million times while i'm like Uh skateboarding as like rodney mullen on tony hawk pro skater 2 that was pretty surreal um then of course i got to like since we're one of the bands playing with them we got to like watch their sound check and that's cool how just how like when a national act comes through versus like your typical local band, like the sound and the tone is just so locked in. Like you can tell this is like a professional band, even if this was an unsigned local band, quote unquote, and you had never heard of them before, just by looking at the command of the stage and the tone and the precision, it's like, whoa, there's something different about this is not, like I don't know who this band is, but this is not a local band. Like that's that's the vibe they gave off, and uh-huh. you know, like rightfully so because they're not a local band and they have been around for years and they have had the they they, they do have a tour manager that sat up there right near the sound guy's ear, telling him exactly what to tweak and all that, and and that's something that you only get when you get to that level. You know, for for our band, it's like we get up there quick sound check all right let's hear the right guitar stage left guitar let's hear the tracks the drums okay you guys good all right let's go and you just you get what you get like tone wise sound like the levels of everything you get what you get and you fucking work with it and you hope the sound guy has good enough ears to mix everything you know while we're playing to make it sound at least balanced but um yeah spider from um who's the only original member in the band left as i fucking knew like when i walked in and I mean, he's an older guy, but he still looks great for his fucking age. I mean, he's definitely like kept up with himself. Um, but he, and then you know, you look at his band bandmates, and they're all at least twenty years younger than him. And it's like, yeah, pretty sure no original member is uh-huh. still in this band. It's just the main. Yeah. It's just the lead singer. Which you know, there's so many times like, especially if you were smart with how you like did your like contract and all like. If you're like the lead singer and you can secure the rights to the name, I mean, honestly, nobody gives a fuck if anybody else is. Yeah. I mean, unless you're talking about a band that's known for like another band member for some, like you couldn't have like Fallout Boy and not have Pete Wentz in there, the bass player, or you couldn't have like uh like an older example, like I don't know, you couldn't have Rush without all three of the guys, honestly, Getty, Alex, and Neil, and that's why they're never going to, like, reunite because, you know, they're just so integral, the three-piece. But most other bands, most other bands, it's the lead singer. It's the lead singer. And whenever, especially all those emo bands, like, unless you're a huge fangirl, like, 
most people didn't learn the fucking drummer's name or the bass player's yeah. name. Like, yeah. They might learn the lead guitar player's name, but they know the lead singer. They know the lead singer was front, you know, front and center in all the videos. Uh, they they might do quick shots of the. I mean, Jesus, just look at our video for Audacity for my band. Um, we had an outside video director do that video, and we didn't really give him any direction. It was like, yeah, get the band. What are most shots of? Of Stephanie, the singer. Some of mm-hmm. me because I'm like the co. Or I'm the founder of the band, and I'm you know I play a bigger part, so there's more of me. But our bass player and drummer, you see like maybe five seconds of footage of them collectively. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean you know a band breaks up and then they want to reunite, you know, fifteen years later, and it's mm-hmm. only the lead singer. You just hire a bunch of hired guns and you call yourself Dancing with Ghosts, but only me. You yeah. know, so anyway, it was fun though. Huge crowd, sold a shit ton of merch. Yeah. Um, we got some other show offers coming in um, in the future. This this definitely is. I I think it's definitely going to help you guys. Yeah, I mean we we had uh, it's getting to the point to where we're only doing national, like we're only opening for nationals in Jacksonville. Now outside of Jacksonville, we actually got. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm supposed to announce this yet or not, but I don't think enough people listen to this podcast for it to matter. Um, there's a band called Icon for Hire that's doing an Orlando show, and they want us to do that mm-hmm. show. Um, so that'll be another really big show for but us. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool that you know you you did something with Power Man Five Thousand because like Power Man Five Thousand, like they were a popular enough band that they were featured like in tons of different media. Oh yeah, so it wasn't just you know video games. You know, they had songs that were, you know, featured in films like Bride of Chucky, which I I, I actually watched again recently. So um, uh, they were on the soundtrack of that film, uh, their song Son of X-51 and, uh, you know, Freddy versus Jason. Uh, Zoolander, I guess, is a one that they were featured uh, in. I, I guess one of their songs was featured in the end credits of that movie. And their song Bombshell was also used as the entrance music for the Dudley Boys in WWE, which I thought was kind of a fun Jeez. bit of trivia. I, did, I didn't know there were that many places. I I knew they had the other song, uh, Nobody's Real, which I actually is yeah. probably my favorite song by them. Um, yeah. And then they had that song, Living So Free, It's a Tragedy. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember that one, and that was about it. And they were also parodying SpongeBob. Oh, really? Yeah, there was an episode called Missing Identity, uh, and uh, they were parodied as Stingray 5000. Patrick picks up an album by that band called You Rock My Clams, and then he (laughs) says, these guys rock. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I was was talking to Spider, the lead singer, I was like, yeah, man, I gotta say, man, I I loved this... When I when I played Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two and Worlds Collide would come on, man, like that's that's how I first found out about you guys. Like he starts laughing. He's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "I hear that all the time." He's like, "He's like, I, I've never been a big into video games." And he's like, I, "I didn't even really know our song was like gonna be on that game." But he's uh-huh. like, "So many people come up to me and tell me about that. You know how that was uh-huh. like a special moment in their life or whatever." And yeah, I didn't want to like sit there and bug him too much because then his tour manager came up mm-hmm. and started talking to him i didn't want to be that like little over and yeah. enthusiastic douche that's like standing there grinning yeah. like yeah gee mister because we all, i mean like i liked their music 
like well enough when I was a teenager, but then, you know, they, 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 you know, they were by no means like my favorite band ever, but like, I thought it was a cool opportunity to play with them. Absolutely. Definitely. We got an offer coming up to open for a head PE. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't heard of them. They were also kind of in that same realm. Um, but I don't know if we're going to do that show or not. Um, but anyway, this show, this podcast uh, yeah. is about unsolved mysteries. Just wanted to catch about another nostalgic thing. Yeah, but you know, wanted to catch you guys up in our lives here and there. You know, the Power Man thing was was pretty big for us, so it was worth mentioning. Because I've been, God knows, I've been whoring out my band on this podcast since the beginning. So it's like, I mean, you could you can follow literally follow the evolution of like. Yeah, we played a shitty show in Tallahassee for five people, you know, yeah. to, hey, we're finally starting to get good shows, you know, it only took, what, seven years, so. Well, I, I would probably say the pandemic definitely did affect the trajectory. Oh, that, huge. That that set us back at least two years, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I actually uncovered the gems this time around. I, you know, I, I got my uh, pith helmet on and my... <laughs> pickaxe and went into the mines. Yeah, I finally and... sent Mike into the uh, the shaft. <laughs> it, it's pretty barren in there, wouldn't you say? Like once you get in there, yeah, yeah. There's not a lot. There's not a lot there. You, I had to, your I had voice to really... definitely echoes like pretty. Severely. Yes, it does. Like hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Any more new good segments? Any more new good segments? <laughs> but I was actually able to uh, find a couple after uh, some uh, digging. So the first case I found is the uh, Palo Alto drive-by shooting, uh, which is the case of C.W. Roddy. Rowdy Roddy C.W. Yeah, this uh, uh, neighborhood crusader, uh, this lady who had enough of those damn drug dealers dealing drugs in the streets of her neighborhood and decided to stand up and do something about it. So, uh, just past midnight on January 1st of 1990, paramedics and police in East Palo Alto, California, responded to a 911 call. A 60-year-old woman had been shot in the stomach after unknown gunmen had fired 35 rounds of ammunition into her house and car. The victim was C.W. Roddy, a retired phone company employee who had lived in the area with her son for 23 years. The attack was a culmination of a three-year campaign of terror against CW by a group of young drug dealers. Their customers were often affluent re- residents from the surrounding communities. Uh, this is Darnell Roddy, and he's quoted here. He's like, uh, the drug dealing on our street was very much like a drive-up bank window. They drive up, and dope dealers would rush to the car in a total frenzy of competition with one another, trying to get the sale. And it continued like that day and night. And the, re- and the reenactment portrayed it as much. It's like just got these line of cars and yeah, this it was kind insane. of urban kind of neighborhood, like you would think, like uh, the Friday movies or whatever. Which, the fucking drive through. It's a drug drive through. <laughs> and the cops were so spread thin with all this shit at that time that, like, it was kind of like, well, you know, can't really do a whole lot about it, so. What do you want us to do? So CW decided it was time to take action. It was to take the law into her own hands. And it sounds like the plot of like a, a, a action movie or something, you know. It, it, but, you know, it's it's reality. So like you're not just going to, you know, kick a lot of uh, 
drug dealers' asses and then, you know, I mean, save the she, neighborhood. She, like, kind of did in the reenactment. She did. She did kind of, for sure. So she decided it was time to take action. The first confrontation came when teenage drug dealers parked their cars in front of her house. When they refused to move, CW told them that she would report their license number to the police. CW frequently reported the young traffickers, but the understaffed local police, like, like Josh was saying, could not handle the enormous problem. And according to CW, I've always felt that your home is your castle and what you do in your home is your business. But when they bring their drugs out in front of my house in the streets, that makes it my business. And I don't do that kind of business. <laughs> I just, she's just a total badass. You could imagine like some Steven Seagal shit, you know, some like, Clint, you, Clint Eastwood, like, yeah, I don't do that kind of business. Yeah. Yeah. Get I don't off do my that yard. Of- it's like some <laughs> Grand Torino shit. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, when you bring your drugs into my streets, that makes it my business. <laughs> and I don't do that kind of business. Got like a bad Steven Seagal. Yeah, well, I, I would, exactly. I would say bad Steven Seagal, but like pretty much. Yeah, that was the point. It's kind of, it's kind of a, a, a oxymoron, like bad Steven Seagal. You know, it's kind of like, well, isn't everything he does pretty bad? And here's where Mike well, disagrees. Well, well, actually, come on, let's well, hear it. What's the, well, I mean, what's actually, the good Steven yes. Seagal like movie? His, his, early, his earlier work was actually a lot of fun when it comes to the action genre. I would say Out for Justice. God, they has anyone seen Richie? <laughs> they had this fucking. I, I stumbled upon this podcast on YouTube. It's called Come Town. I, I know. Go figure. Yeah. The name's hilarious. And they're talking about these like Steven later later era Steven Seagal yeah, movies. Yeah, they are so fucking bad. <laughs> there's one where he's like this like fucking. It's like this elite task force going into like Afghanistan or something. Uh-huh. But they're all like the median age of everyone in the task force is like fifty plus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's sniper. Yeah, that's sniper special ops. I think <laughs> Steven Seagal is just like so lazy, like how he holds the gun up and shit, yeah. like just and, and the. Gen- it's not even the worst. It's not even the most embarrassing. Like there are multiple Steven Seagal films, you know, from this point in his career, where he's not even doing his own stunts. Like he, there's like a shot where his character is supposed to do a somersault, and it'll cut to this obviously skinnier guy doing a somersault. And then it'll cut back to Seagal's fat ass <laughs> in the next scene. I love it. And I love how of all fucking bargain bin, like, would-be washed-up action heroes, Seagal is the one that Putin is like, yes, yes, this will be the ambassador for America. <laughs> Steven Seagal. <laughs> God. And then North uh, Korea's got Dennis Rodman. Like, uh-huh. what the fuck? Like, what is... Is is China gonna get Carrot Top or, or like <laughs> what? What other wash or Polly Shore? What else, what's the next washed up star from the nineties that we can we can yeah. get these weird countries that want to nuke us? But yeah, Seagal, his later films are terrible, but you can you can get some laughs out of him, like his accent that just comes and goes because he thinks he's from. <laughs> he started talking black all of a sudden, just yeah, like dirt. he's from he's from he's from Louisiana. Yeah, just that's that's one that he does he does a lot. Like he's from down south. It's like we know we know damn well you're not from down south. Like stop talking like you're from Louisiana. Louisiana, my brother. <laughs> yeah, that that sort of thing. Uh, or one one that really cracks me up. I forgot the name of the movie, 
but there there is a shot of him in a car and there and there are just McDonald's or burger wrappers just everywhere in the car. <laughs> like in plain sight. Like, in like, plain view. Like that was that wasn't even like a, a set a, a set designer choice. That was no. that was just his actual car. <laughs> <laughs> just this that was his car from earlier. That the, that that was his week in in, in uh in, in fast food wrappers. Yeah. Um but yeah, C.W. Roddy, I would say, you know, she was kind of up there with early Seagal in terms of just the intensity and just being, you know, willing to tell it like it is. And, you know, even, even, I mean, that even could be, you know, kind of a one-liner kind of thing. You know, I don't do that kind of business. Yeah, like, no, it could have been. Like, they could have cut an Unsolved Mysteries, like, trailer to make it seem like an action movie. And they t- <laughs> they totally could have used her, use, like, saying that line in the trailer. Yeah. I don't do that kind of business. One woman, one block, a lot of crack. <laughs> She's had enough. So uh, in February of 1988, CW was physically threatened uh, because of all, all of this as she walked down the street. According to CW, a young man said he was going to blow up her house. They cut- and I said to him, are you going to make sure that I'm in it? And I looked up and I saw a police officer sitting directly across the street. And CW went over to the police officer and told him about the threat. And the officer asked CW if she would like to make a citizen's arrest, and she said yes. CW said that the officer took the offender away, but he was back within a matter of minutes. So I don't understand how, I mean, I guess if you, like, just say something to somebody and there's, like, really no, like, for all, uh-huh. like, for all we know, like, you know, they take the guy. He's like, I didn't say that shit. You know, and it's like, yeah. you know, one one person's word against another in that case. And you were and you were going to say earlier, we're going to talk about the reenactment. Is that what? You're yeah, like just kind of like my 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 utter frustration. Anytime it's like a more like urban based segment that involves like a lot of like African Americans or whatever. Like, I'm sorry, but unsolved mysteries writers cannot write for for that kind of voice. And the reenact, like the actors, they always get like the corniest lines in those situations. Like the dude at one point goes, uh, like, get back in your house, you old bag. And it's just yeah. like, <laughs> I, I just don't see uh, Palo Alto in the 90s, you know, after the, the riots and all that. I, I don't I don't see an urban youth calling uh, someone who is interrupting their drug trade in old bag. Yeah, that is that is a, uh, a pretty much an insult from the 1950s that you would call an old woman. <laughs> but you know they can't use certain slurs. Yo, and bitch, swears. get your ha- get your bitch ass back of that house while I pop <laughs> a cap up in it. Like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, you can't. I understand you they can't, can't do that they, on they network television. Yeah, they can't say that. But uh, you know, it would have been nice if they. I mean, shit. Maybe now they could, but. At the time, I don't. I even feel though like all I, menace to society, even if you they couldn't, you couldn't do that, even if they could say it, I feel like Unsolved Mysteries was one of those shows that, like, and that's, that's a fucked up thing about American censorship. They can show some of like the gnarliest murders, rape depictions, uh, poisonings, yeah. burnings, you name it. They could show that people dead on the ground with a pool of blood around their yeah, head. Yeah, you can show yeah, all, all that's fine. But when it comes down to saying, I'll pop a cap in your bitch ass, that's when it's like, whoa, guys. We gotta have some standards <laughs> and practices here. Yeah. Yeah, so. 
So things uh, only got worse for CW over the next 18 months. Uh, During certain hours of the day, the streets resembled a rush hour traffic jam. During off hours, the dealers used CW's front curb as their personal, personal parking lot. Probably because they felt intimidated and they decided to just, okay, we'll show her. And, uh, you know, we're going to turn your, your, your house, your front yard into our, into, uh, uh, into, uh, a drug drive through. Um, what the fuck I'm are you going to do about it? I know this is going to sound like weird, but I, I don't think drug dealers are that petty to do something like that. I, I literally think it was just a, a matter of business. Like her, okay. her house happened to be, like yeah. the pro in in the prime location of where yeah. the business was going down, and it's like you know nothing personal, lady, but uh, this is this is this yeah. is for whatever reason. But no, the, it did it it. What I think I definitely do feel it was getting more personal though. Oh yeah, she yeah. After back. she started making a big stink about it, you then absolutely yeah. did. But I think the initial choosing of mm-hmm. in front of her house was it just happened to work out to where that's where it yeah. was going down. She just was unlucky. So, so in October of 1989, CW again asked the dealers to move their car away from her home. CW said that the confrontation suddenly turned violent and one of the dealers struck her in the face. Then he threatened to beat her with a piece of wood. Oh, bro, that reenactment. Yes, that was brutal. It wasn't brutal. It was, so it, was, it was the acting or the... the... No, that, I meant brutal in terms of like hard to watch because it was bad <laughs> yeah like, that's what i mean the whole like uh the the acting class where you learn to take a punch yes. uh they skipped they skipped that day i mean this actor threw the softest punch now you got to figure the lady the camera is directly behind the lady so all you see is the back of her head and then you see the guy in front of her and he kind of Delivers this very half-hearted punch and clearly did not connect, no. in, even in uh, like an acting no. way. Uh, and I've seen better attempts at punching in the Batman show from the 60s. Yeah, and then the camera like pans <laughs> over the guy who did the punching over his head, and now we're staring at the lady, fit, like, and we see the front of her body. And there is like no blood. There's no nothing. Yeah. She got punched then, in the face, and there's like no. And then no she marks. slaps him. She, she slaps him. She knees him in the groin like some Chuck Norris shit. And then she picks up this bo- like this the, plank. The, the moment where the guy gets kneed in the groin, it just cracked me up because of the sound effect they threw in there, where she slaps the guy, then knees him. He's like, Ooh. Yeah, one of those sound banks that they use for everything. Um, God, there's this. They, I, I hear like there's just this like universal sound bank that you know the Wil- mm-hmm. the Wilhelm scream is yeah. obviously one yes. of them. But then there's others like anytime there's like a, a, a call in on a police radio, it's always beta software. It's like beta something 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 something. But uh-huh. but it's that same sound clip, and you I've heard it on so many police shows. I've heard it on so many whatever uh-huh. the fuck. I think that started on cops. I don't know, but it's just like beta, and it just goes on with its like you know jar police jargon, and um, yeah, just the uh, there's so many of those those canned sounds, and every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate because like that's late <laughs> to me. That's lazy because like you know you could have done some field audio or something and gotten an actual kind of reaction, but post production baby, time yeah. is money. <laughs> but you know that. That whole, uh, you know, uh, reenactment that was just shot in such a, you know, 
brutal way and I'm not and, and like I'm just using brutal in terms of like you know just a fun uh, way to talk about how something is bad uh it, it's it, it definitely does add to the entertainment factor of the segment that's for sure <laughs> yeah I mean when you're when you're going into unsolved mysteries with the understanding of like yes the the acting is usually bad and and the story is compelling but anytime you can get a chance to get some enjoyment from the bad acting there's a, a bonus point for you if you go so, if you go into it like you're showing someone like this is the most important media and everything like, no. about it is a masterpiece it's like no it's a good show it's got some good stories, and and every now and then you'll get some comic relief from the bad acting. It is what it is. Yes, Just take it for what it is. Uh huh. So, uh, CW, uh, she is quoted again here. I was infuriated, and I said to myself, "This is stupid." So I started back across the street, and they started to say, "Yeah, go call the police." And after the boy was arrested and taken to the police station, he was on his way back home before I even finished with the police report. Two months later, in December of 1989, CW was involved in another confrontation. Chris Thomas, a new neighbor, was attacked with a knife when he came to her defense. They cut him very badly in the face, and they had to take him down to the hospital to get stitches. And they show the reenactment of Chris Thomas, and he's got like a baseball bat, and he's all cut up. And, you know, the acting there was was not the best either. Uh, Police arrested the young man who had attacked the neighbor for the next 10 days. Things were quiet. Then came New Year's Eve. According to Chief Dan Nelson of the East Palo Alto Police Department, on New Year's Eve in the East Palo Alto, for some reason, uh, a lot of citizens like to shoot guns. They just shoot up in the air. <laughs> like For some reason, these fucking maniacs like to shoot guns up in the air. I don't know why. I think there was an episode of A Thousand Ways to Die where they were doing, like a, they were doing that, and the bullet actually killed the guy. Uh, he shot, he shot it up in the air, you know, celebrating. And then, like, later, uh, the bullet just came back down and killed him. Which is weird, because, like, the fucking maximum impact of, like, a bullet... Because, I mean, figure what's got to go, like, a couple thousand feet into the sky. Mm. And then it falls, and it's, like, when it when it reaches, it's, like... You know, what's the word? Not, I keep thinking event horizon. That's not, it's the uh, terminal velocity. When when it reaches its terminal velocity, I mean, geez, what, what's that got to be like? Five pounds of pressure falling on your head at, at, at the most? It's a, a, a fucking slug, you know, that weighs like a, a couple of kil- uh, grams, maybe? I think there might have been like a, a, a deflection of some kind. Which then wound up giving it more, you know, terminal velocity. Either way, I don't see it being a good idea to like shoot uh, randomly up into the air. Because, um, like, for instance, if you shoot up in the air and it hits something in the sky and then it comes back down and hits you. Or, I mean, like, I don't yeah. know if it like, <laughs> like cracks someone's windshield or something, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like when it lands. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's no way it goes high enough to, like, affect any air traffic, but... Oh, no. You know. No. More than likely not, unless it's flying low enough. Man, that has to be flying freakishly low, because, I mean... I know. And then again, if you have a gun that can shoot up to 30,000 feet in the air, then that's that's uh, problem, <laughs> problematic on many in many ways. Yes. You should not own that weapon legally. <laughs> no. 
So at midnight, CW said she was awakened by the gunfire. And we've been dogging the reenactments uh, for a good chunk of this uh, uh, portion of the podcast, but they, they nailed it here. They did a great job with the, with the drive-by shooting scene. Uh, at midnight, CW said she was awakened by the gunfire. I heard all the shooting, and I looked up at the clock, and I said, oh, they're just celebrating New Year's Eve. And, of course, I got up and then went into the living room, and I noticed across the street there were three young men. And they were standing around talking, and there weren't any cars coming down the street at that particular time. And about 20 minutes after midnight, it all quieted down, and then all of a sudden I heard all these shots. CW's home was sprayed with automatic gunfire, shattering her living room windows. CW's son, Darnell, was also home at the time. I hit the floor. I was about to get up, and I heard my mother scream in pain. CW had been shot in the stomach. So yeah, the reenactment of that drive-by... Very intense. They did a good job recreating just how intense and just how genuinely, genuinely terrifying. The bullets busting through the glass that would was be. a really realistic practical yes. effect, which was nice. Uh, her son immediately called for help, and the police arrived within minutes. CW thinks the attack was planned, and the, the assailants are trying to kill them. Police recovered shell casings from three weapons, a thirty-eight revolver, three eighty semi-automatic pistol, and an assault weapon, which is possibly an Uzi. After their initial investigation, the police called in the FBI. According to Special Agent William E. Smith of the San Jose, California FBI, he's quoted here, We know that there were three to four individuals who were responsible for firing these rounds into the home of Mrs. Roddy. This is a neighborhood that has somehow been uh, paralyzed because of the amount of violence that has been generated from those who took a stance to come forward and say, No more. To date, no suspects have been identified, but even though the case remains unsolved, the attack has rallied the neighborhood. A group of mothers took charge of the local park and drove out the drug dealers. They were successful, but they know it's only the first step on a long road. I, I, I wanted to know, like, how did they drive the drug dealers out of the local park? Uh... Nothing short of, like, taking your own life into your hands, I would imagine. Because, I mean, if you're, like... it could only be an older woman or a woman. Yeah. An older woman that maybe reminds them of their mom or something. And they're like, man, I can't, or maybe they show up with their kids and then maybe, you know, the drug dealers feel bad or something. I don't know. I don't know. But like, uh, that's like going to war basically. Like you may not come out alive. Like that's, I don't have the balls to do that. So they drove out the drug dealers from the local park, uh, but they know it's only the first step on a long road. CW is quoted here, uh, and she says, I went by a couple Saturdays ago and just observed the children out there playing. It was such a beautiful sight, and it made me feel so good that it brought tears to my eyes. So it's looking better. It didn't all happen in one day, and I don't expect it all to change in one day. But I do see the beginning of a change, and the future looks bright. And eventually, all the drug dealers did leave uh, her neighborhood. Um, C.W. Roddy, though, she passed away on November uh, 11th of 2012. She was uh, 83. Uh, She actually remained in East Palo Alto until her death. And, uh, yeah, her attackers have never been identified. Um, But her son, Darnell, and other members of the neighborhood, you know, they're still hoping the case can be solved. But I, I, I at this point, I don't think that'll ever happen. And here's the, por- the portion where Josh uh, judges physical appearance. I felt like this lady looked damn good for her age, for an older lady. 
I mean, I'm not. She's in good shape. Yeah. Like she, I will say the person that, that, uh, this is the rare instance where the person they had portray her looked way older than she actually did. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, she looked like yeah. a fucking grandma. This lady just looked like a, uh-huh. like middle aged, but the lady yeah. they had player looked like a granny. So if you're but, uh, keeping track out there on your little bingo cards, that's you can mark where Josh comments <laughs> on the physical appearance of someone on the show. You can go ahead and mark that on your bingo card. But yeah, I thought that was a that was a pretty decent case. Uh, you know, uh, there there's some heartwarming stuff there. You know, with with uh, CW standing up for her community, but you know, also some you know terror with the drive-by people talk about community community outreach all the time like why not bring up the fucking heroes that stop the drug addicts from bringing drugs into the neighborhood yes that's a lot more important than planting a fucking tree by a playground you know exactly not saying that trees aren't important but i mean bullets are a lot more life ending than a lack of trees in the short Mm. in the short term at least definitely but yeah rest in peace uh, cw roddy uh if, if, there, if there is a heaven, you're, I'm sure, there. Yes, for sure. For for her selfless actions, you know, and, def- and you know, standing up for her community. And, uh, yeah, thanks to this show, people got to see the badass that she was. Like, cause that, that legitimately is something that takes a lot, of, a lot of guts, a lot of cojones, you know, or lady, lady balls. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> lady balls can we make that can we make that a meme people <laughs> please do I've got lady balls uh, I, 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 I knew that was bad and um, I'm not but, editing out either and, don't and that's fine that's fine guys you understand how much shit Mike asked me and now I will say you know with, with good advice he tells me to do this but he, he he's constantly asking me to edit things out hey edit that out and it's it's always things that i say it's not things that mike says that hey he wants that's to. what i'm saying it's about time yeah it's tables a turn yeah it's Get a, a really bad joke in there it's always me so it's nice <laughs> it's nice when it's not me that's all i'm saying uh all right we're moving on to kenneth frank the rapist yeah the date rape doctor i don't even know if it's a date rape i don't think they were on a date i think it was just a i like you i want you no it, it takes them home well, no, the chick wanted a ride. It wasn't a date. He's just a rapist. Well, he well he was he did do it with the other lady Maybe. that he was in a relationship with. So yeah, he is a date rapist. We'll doctor. find out what uh, Wikipedia has to say about that, Mike. <laughs> we'll see what they have to say, and then we'll see where you stand. All right, Doctor Kenneth Frank from Bakersfield, California, is wanted for drugging and raping two women. One Saturday night in 1985, I know, very relevant, seeing as that that was almost 100 years ago. Two women named Patty Roberts and Stephanie Phillips were playing pool at a bar when one of their friends introduced them to Dr. Frank. Then they got drinks together and sat around talking. I'm trying to do a Keith Morrison right now. Patty felt the doctor... And I fucked it up. (laughs) Patty felt that Dr. Frank was kind and an interesting man. When she told him that she was going to school to be a dental assistant, he said that he could help her get a job. Patty excused herself to go to the restroom. When she came back a few minutes later, Stephanie and their other friend had left, leaving her alone with Dr. Frank. Now, that bit I've seen people comment on, you know, where they're like, why would you leave your your friend alone? 
Yeah. With this guy. Like, all the girls I know that, like, whenever I go to bars and I, you know, the the females that I, I'm acquainted with, uh, and, and maybe because there's so many years of bullshit has gone on that they've, you know, women have uh, started to figure out, like, hey, you know, we need to mm. stick in groups or whatever. But they there is like definitely a buddy system everywhere I go if there's if there's a group of women hanging around like I mean even when I'm hanging out with uh, a, a woman and she's like oh, I'm gonna go to the bathroom watch my stuff I mean that's just that's just a no brainer yeah like yeah that around here I mean I can't speak for everywhere else but around here it's like uh, around these parts um. Because unfortunately, a lot of bars out here have reputations of oh, people get roofied here, oh, people get roofied there. Ooh, yeah. What 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 yeah. what what pisses me off is when people would be like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, the bar that my boss owns because um, my my boss, Josh's boss, that I the guy I work for, uh, because people get roofied there, man. And it's like, okay, people may have gotten roofied here in the past, but guess what? People get roofied at every fucking bar. In King Street, uh, Riverside, Five Points, the beaches, Southside, everywhere. People get roofied everywhere. It's an unfortunate part of going out. And and that's why, you know, you do your due diligence. You put the fucking napkin over the drink, you know, the open drink and mm-hmm. all that. You do whatever you have to do to deter yeah. that. Because there's going to be sleazeball pieces of shit out there that that do that kind of stuff and it's stupid to boycott one bar because mm-hmm. you know you think there's this epidemic of roofiness going on there it's i'm sorry i mean that would be like oh i i don't i don't want to ever go to a doctor because or, or a dentist because dr frank <laughs> is a tape rapist <laughs> You know, well, it's like being like, I don't want to go to a bar because I don't I don't want to uh, or I don't want to go to this one bar because like, you know, the, the, a bar fight happened there a couple times. It's like, well, bar fights happen at every bar. It's, it's mm-hmm. the unfortunate part of being drunk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I would say a bar fight happens more often than, you know, roofing. Eh, it's a toss-up really (laughs) it's kind of a toss-up i will say they both rarely happen okay they don't happen nearly as much as people like to portray Uh you know people like to act like oh every night at the bar every night is like roadhouse yeah exactly (laughs) no it's not like that like bar fights happen like semi-rarely i'm at bars every fucking week i can Uh attest to this more often than not so okay i will say it leads up to a fight, but the fight never happens. That happens a lot, okay. where it leads up <laughs> yeah. to, like, it gets heated, but then it's like, all right, all right, take it outside, calm down. Oh, so they get separated, and it's fine. Uh-huh. That happens a lot. But the actual throwing throwing bows and shit, no. That, that, that rarely ever happens. And when it does, it's usually pretty entertaining. Except for that one time where I was at the bar and the dude and you got punched, and the, right? The dude had at least two hundred pounds, and the other dude just cold clocked him right in the face. The dude just fell backwards, hit the back of his head on the ground. I just heard the clunk, the crackle Ooh, sound of a skull yeah. hitting floor, and he was con- unconscious for like thirty seconds. That wasn't fun to see, but anyway. Lots life in the big city. Suck yeah, my titty. There's a lot of uh, not-so-fun stuff in this case. Pretty heavy case. So, um, 
Patty's friends just ditch her. Like, thanks. Uh, Patty, however, Patty felt that Dr. Frank was a kind and interesting man. When she told him that she was going to school to be a dental assistant, he said he could help her get a job. This dude, that this dude's going into the, like, pickup artist playbook right now. Yeah. Yes. For sure. And, uh, speaking of pickup artist playbook, uh, the, uh, actor they got in the reenactment to play Dr. Frank, I thought it was it was a really good casting choice and the, I thought the actor did a really good job. Yeah, like, so so whoever that actor is out there, you play a really good doctor who likes to rape people. That <laughs> that is your wheelhouse, sir. You have found your calling and I hope you went on to a very prosperous career of portraying a doctor who likes to rape women when they're subdued under some kind or, of drug. Or or just at least, you know, a character actor who plays a lot of creepy guys. Yeah. You know. Or that. Probably a little less dark than what I said, but... <laughs> um, so Patty excused herself to go to the restroom. Ugh. And you didn't, you didn't bring a drink with you, did you? Of course not. You just left it there. Not even a bottle, just an open pint glass the easiest to roofie the bar. well he didn't do it in the bar so oh that's, that's right that's right that's right you're right i'm get, getting ahead or getting distracted by uh <laughs> candy crush right now um sorry my apologies really <laughs> hey man i can uh multitask sometimes um so she so leaving her Blah 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 blah. blah. Pat excuse her. So guys, restroom. When she came back a few minutes later, Stephanie and their other friend had left, leaving her alone with Doctor Frank. When Stephanie did not return, Doctor Frank offered to take her home. She was kind of you know sketchy about it at first, but then when she saw that like okay, like no one's here, she agreed, and they left in his car. He took her to his apartment so that she could get the referral about the dental assistant job. While there, she began complaining of a chest cold, which. Begs the question, if she had never complained about the chest cold, I wonder if he wouldn't have made her that uh, concoction. Uh, so he made. Oh, no, he would have made it regardless. He made her a special coffee drink that he claimed would rid her of it. Soon after drinking it, she noticed that her eyes were getting blurry and her ears were ringing. To be honest, I, I wouldn't trust that at all. Uh, oh, I made a special drink that'll get rid of your chest cold and, and like... I've never heard of a coffee drink that gets rid of a chest cold. I'm guessing 1985 was a more uh, innocent time. I don't know. I guess so. So she then passed out after drinking the drink. Yeah, her eyes were getting blurry and her ears were ringing. The ears ringing thing, that would really freak me out because it's like, dude, this is this is like, am I having a heart attack right now? Like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. And uh Another th- good thing about the reenactment is how they, you know, shot, you know, the 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 sequence before she passed out, like, or or I think it was maybe after she woke up, and that you see like the the uh, like fisheye lens kind of thing, yeah. you know, we were all groggy and drugged out, and that really did add to the creep factor of, of this uh, segment too. Right, it looked like something out of a you know horror film. <laughs> So this happened on Saturday. Patty would not wake up again until Monday morning. Yeah. Over a day later. After waking up, she realized that Dr. Frank had raped her. Still tired and groggy, she had him drive her to her apartment complex. She woke up and she's like all groggy in the reaction. And she's like, 
what, what day is it? And he's like, it's Monday. I have to get to work. <clears throat> and she's like, you, you raped me. And then it was like, all right, well, I'm driving you home now. No, he was, he was like, no, I know. No, I, didn't, I raped you. I didn't do that. So still tired and groggy. She had, uh, had him drive her to her apartment complex. Before she left the car, he told her that he that she should not tell anyone about the rape. As she entered her apartment, she realized that he was still watching her, finding out where she lived, essentially. Yeah. Patty, Creepy. still feeling sick, took a shower and went to her aunt's house. She continued to feel the effects of Dr. Frank's drug drink for the rest of the day. She was so overcome by fear and embarrassment that she did not want to go to the police. A week later, Patty returned to the bar only to have Dr. Frank come up to her again. Strangely, he acted as if nothing was wrong. She decided to play along in an attempt to get him to admit his crime. He had, he admitted to place... Okay, so the reenactment was funny, because she's like, yeah, so uh, so what did you give me last like last week? He's like, oh, oh, nothing. I didn't give you anything. She's like, oh, come on. I won't tell anyone. It was pretty wild. And he's like, okay, I gave you a sedative. And then she like gets up and she's like, you raped me! <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, uh, at that point, she became frustrated and realized that she had to go to the police. Three months after the rape, Patty filed an official police report after she stopped short of actually filing charges against Dr. Frank. She feared that the trial would end up being her word against his, which that's probably true since she didn't go mm-hmm. and get like the rape kit and all that jazz mm-hmm. like instantly afterward. She also feared that uh, she would not be able to find a job if she was involved in a rape case, which that was, like, one of the saddest things. That, That's awful. If she really felt that way, you know, like, and I, and honestly, I don't know how true or not true that, that is, you know, like, I, you would hope that that wouldn't be a fucking factor. It probably was a factor back then. And I mean, God knows if it, if it was a woman-owned business, I'm sure it would not be a factor. But if it's a fucking dude, you know, he'd be like, oh, I don't know, you're involved in this case. I don't know if I want to deal with that. Yeah, that, that might have been a little bit sexist, what I just said. But I feel like it was sexist in favor of the woman. And it's always okay to shit on the man. And I understand why, because they do shit like this. Finally, she feared that he would harm her if she pressed charges. In 1986, four months after he raped Patty, Dr. Frank did so to another woman, and she was a co-worker. Mm-hmm. She had also been given a sedative prior to the rape. After it occurred, he admitted to placing a sedative into her drink. I guess the whole... That was wild. And, what and with her, he had been uh, in a relationship with her for a little bit prior to, you know, doing the whole sedative thing. Maybe that's why he felt brazen enough to tell her, like, hey, I did, I, I fucked you up last night. Wasn't that crazy? Because if they had been in a relationship, chances are they'd had consensual sex. So maybe it wasn't uh, a big of a, as big of a stretch in that scenario. I don't know. Tests later showed that the amount of sedative in her system was eight times greater than the amount normally Insane. given to patients. Crazy. Now, I'm wondering, are they these patients that are about to get operated on or like what? Like, you know, because there's. Yeah, probably. Because, I mean, Novocaine is a sedative when you're going to get mm-hmm. a, tooth, a tooth removed. But that's different than getting a sedative when you're getting your chest sliced open. Well, he's a dentist, so it's I don't think he would have access to other. No, I think he was a general practitioner. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, he's a general yeah, practitioner. I'm pretty sure okay. they said he was a general practitioner. Yeah. 
Well, he had access to all kinds of drugs. She immediately went to the police after blood testing confirmed that she had received the sedative. Based on the two victims' testimonies, Dr. Frank was arrested in February of 86 and charged with rape. However, his trial did not begin until December 1989. Wow, three years. He showed up to every court appearance. On December 20th, 1989, he was convicted of two counts of rape. After the trial, he was released on his own recognizance, meaning he didn't have bail that he had to pay. Uh, well, that was dumb. Why they did that, I don't know. I mean, you can get a DUI and have bail. I mean, usually you don't. Usually you're released on your own recognizance if you get a DUI. But that that's just to show you the, the, the poles apart that these offenses are. You get a DUI, released on your own recognizance. Rape a woman, released on your own recognizance. Where's the problem here in this picture? You know what I mean? Yeah. He did not show up for his sentencing on January of 1990, though. And uh, sensing, and he has not been seen since. But we have an update, and Mike usually, for whatever reason, enjoys reading the updates. So I'll let him. Okay. So uh, the update is that uh, he was captured in December 2004. An FBI agent working with Interpol located Dr. Frank near Tel Aviv, Israel. However, due to international uh, legal issues, he was not arrested until July 26 of 2006. During his time on the run, he had married and started practicing medicine in Israel under the assumed name Yonatan Efrat. He was returned to California and was sentenced to 12 years in prison, and he's since been released. So he had a whole, like, 14... Well, no, if he was arrested in 86 and was released on his own recognizance and wasn't captured until 2004, he had, like, fucking, what, 18-ish years... Yeah. Of freedom? Mm-hmm. And my thing is, is like, it's like, A, how did you think, I mean, how do you think you're going to get away with this? B, you raped two women, and I guess it took you getting charged to flee the country, but like, why not just like hire an escort or something? You know, I know that's illegal, but it's still like, doesn't carry it if you get caught, which a lot of people don't. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you get your jollies off, and there you go. Like, yeah, I, I just don't understand why. It's like someone snaps and they do something really crazy and stupid, and then they're like they move, and then they're on the straight and narrow, seemingly for like years and years after that. Yep, because there's like cases on unsolved mysteries where like. For instance, the uh, Marine that, that got stomped out by the, the gang members at that party. And even though yeah. he didn't die, like the head guy who did it, he like just fled to Mexico for years and years. And it's like mm-hmm. you could have just not done that to that guy and let him leave and your life would have been fine this whole time. Mm-hmm. This is why I never like get like I never respond to someone who's 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 testing me and wants me to like get violent with them or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just ignore it. It's not worth it. Whenever they say it's you not, you don't you don't you don't want to wind up like uh, Cameron Poe and Con Air and locked up for self defense. Never seen that movie. Yeah, accidentally Mike. killed somebody. Totally lost <laughs> that one on me. The Nick Cage movie where he's he was uh, in prison and the the. The uh, prisoners were being transported on a plane. Oh, yeah, I've never fucking John seen John Malkovich. <laughs> no, I've seen Being John Malkovich. Have you seen that one? 
Yeah. That's a it's been great, a long time. It's a great movie. Weird movie. No, it's a fucking great movie. Those are the kind of movies that are up my alley. No, I'm saying it is it is a weird movie, though. Let's be honest. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying it's a weird film. You know what, Mike? I'm going to I'm gonna turn into one of your trolls in your comment sections. Just stick to your 80s action movies. <laughs> That's where you seem the most comfortable. <laughs> Didn't someone say something like that to you recently? Yeah, it was stupid. It was dumb. Just stick to your 80s movies. <laughs> kind of hilarious. I almost want to be like, fine, yeah, most of them are better than this shit. <laughs> anyway... Yeah, that's I think that's like a blind spot in my in my movie watching is is the 80s movies, the 80s action movies. Mhm. I think I mean there's a lot of good ones. Die Hard, you know. <laughs> I find Classic. I did watch Die Hard, honestly, it was kind of boring to me. Uh <laughs> I mean, I I don't even think I watched the whole thing. I was just like, eh, whatever. Apparently Bruce Willis is just like he's just like out of commission. Yeah, because he's got the he's got uh, Louis Body. I think he has the same thing that Robin Williams had before uh, he died, and he's got you know a lot of uh, health, you know, mental brain issues right now. It's a weird name so, for a disorder, Louis Body. Yeah, Louis Bodies, I think, or something like that. Yeah, it's weird. Joshy's body dementia. <laughs> you just get like an unfortunate dad bod, and you don't remember anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I can uh, tell by the gut formation. That's uh, Joshi's body uh, dementia. And you y- you don't remember, like, simple names and words a lot of times, do you? No. Uh, you're you're an alcoholic, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, you got Joshi's body dementia. Sorry, bud. Not going to be a fun road for you. So I don't really have much else to say about the date rape doctor, Dr. Kenneth Frank, except, I mean, it is one of those things, it's like... It must be some kind of screw loose, definitely in his head, that made him go that far and risk his entire profession. And I, you know, I bet he was probably making a decent amount of money as you know, as a general practitioner. You know, probably more money than I'll ever see in my life. And they was just like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just risk it all, and you know, drug these women and rape them. Like, why? Uh, it could be a control thing. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, possibly. You want to have control of these women and mm-hmm. all that shit. Well, I guess that's the end of the um, official part of the uh, podcast. Hold on. I'm just confirming my order, my Panera delivery order. And <laughs> pay with Is it turkey? Turkey again? No, I've been eating slightly healthier lately. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, it's a half broccoli cheddar, half chicken Caesar salad with okay. a baguette. Is it actually going to be the right order this time? I found <laughs> that when I order the Caesar salad in the soup, it's like nearly impossible for them to um, fuck up. Uh-huh. But when I order the steak and cheddar or the turkey or anything like that, they're like, no, oh, what? Uh, what is all this? I don't know. Is it steak? What is steak and cheddar? What kind of cheese is that? Uh, just get my tuna fish sandwich. That's something I understand. Like, <laughs> swear to God, man. Crack team working at Panera. They, they all turn into Bobcat Goldthway. <laughs> yeah, they all fucking become... Dim-witted fools, cretins, undeserving of their... 
however much an hour they make. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but well, I-, I mean, they're at risk. A lot of these food places, McDonald's just uh, unveiled uh, some fully automated restaurant somewhere. Um, and uh, you have those ghost kitchens that are becoming more and more popular. Where you know all these different uh, restaurants are just being run out of you know these ghost kitchens, which are just these giant buildings with just little mini kitchens. Well, I, I can I can understand like not getting it, like getting a cold response from a robot when they hand me my food, but uh, I I just there's just something that like chaps my ass about. I don't live in the best neighborhood in the world, so the the workers at at the fast food places in my neighborhood, let's just say they're not the most motivated people about their job. And um, I, I swear to God, sometimes I'll, I'll I'll roll up to get my food, and they will just hand the bag of food out the window, not even turn their head to look at me. And it's <laughs> like, or if I'm going to pay them, they just hold their hand out, staring at their computer screen while I hand them my debit card. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's like, dude, you, it's like, you do, I, I get you hate your job, but you realize with the shitty attitude and work ethic that you have, you're never going to advance in this company and you're never going to advance in any other company because it's all, it, your failure is on you. It's not on, uh-huh. oh, McDonald's sucks. No, it's on you. If you think McDonald's sucks, then do something about it. Acquire a skill, acquire a trade. You know, look into. But even then, it's not that you know, it's not that simple nowadays because there's just so many different things where you know it's just hard. It's hard for too hard to get work. I mean, it's a case, but it's a case by case basis, obviously. But like, I mean, just in general, like whatever situation you find yourself in, and there are some people who who come from like the poorest of the poor who have become Mm. like moguls. A lot of rappers that you look at start Mm -hmm. off in the projects and all that. So, you know, the difference between them and the person working at McDonald's is a hustle and an internal, like, skill, an internal fire inside of them. It's skill. (laughs) No, it's really not, though, because there's a lot of... I think think it's it's fucking skill when it comes to musicians. There's a lot of skillful rappers out there, Mike, that don't have what these successful rappers have to get to the top. There's some of the best rappers out there that we've never heard of because they didn't have... The drive they didn't have the, uh, I, I you know I agree with that in some context in some ways but but I do I do believe in the uh, concept that a lot of the people that wind up you know making it really big in any industry it's skill <laughs> it's not it's not just drive oh that's so like there's more to it that's such a naive mindset mike oh it's not i mean look at look at all the sports look at what's going on with you know these athletes it's yeah, skill it's not drive yeah that's one thing sports is something that you can sports is one thing that you can empirically measure like you can scientifically measure this guy runs faster than this guy when it comes to music is completely subjective it is uh-huh. you have bands out there who completely suck ass pop singers who completely suck ass they are for whatever reason or another well, they, especially nowadays cuz they have a lot of a lot of more uh 
auto tune a lot more of this sort they of got stuff. A lot of help, have yeah, people. whatever. They just look good, and then the, yeah. then the uh, the producers take care of the rest. There are people who yes. are handpicked for whatever reason to to to, to climb, climb to the top of the charts. It has nothing to do with skill because you have some of the most skilled singers, guitar players, mm-hmm. musicians who are in the fucking gutter right now. So the whole like oh it's skill it's a thing that's it's just, a combination of things it, that's that's sure my I mean it's a combination of things but I'm telling you like you cannot deny the band that's out there passing out flyers constantly pounding the pavement promoting the shit out of what they're doing and then they have the skill to back it up once they do get the people there I mean it's it's all of it it's everything so, yeah it's it, everything and you can See, take that? and you can take that same mentality and you can put it towards anything that's a funny thing it doesn't just work for music you can take it for uh like a job like mcdonald's for instance like you can like study the uh manager like what what did they do that i'm not doing yeah what do i have to do to get to where i'm the but manager instead here, of just here's, the here's another here's another thing that connects with you know how people rise in any in industry especially music or you know film and so on it's who you know workplace politics i mean so sometimes you can learn, you can know all this stuff, you can be, you know, a, 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 a good manager, possibly even be better than the manager that's currently holding that position. But because you don't have the same connections, you you never stand a chance. But so, let's see, so there's that, like, What too. you're saying, though, th- these are all defeatist uh, mentalities. Like, uh, th- these are all, aw, shucks, I didn't know the right person, my life, I got well, a bad Well, I mean, it just depends. Life. It just depends. It just depends on the situation. Like, there are some instances where you can move up, but it's a, it's not defeatist, it's realistic. Like, there, there, there are certain situations in certain businesses and certain places where... You have to, you got to know the right people. Otherwise, you don't stand a chance. And that's just how it is. Realism is a prism that exists in your own mind. Your reality is what you make it. <laughs> and honestly, fate a, is what you make a it. Lot yeah. of, a lot of the, 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 the Roddy case we were just talking about, all those drug dealers. They were probably guys who, who at some point might have tried doing things the right way, but the system, the area, the socioeconomic class that they were in gave them no other choice but to, hey, if I want to make real money in this uh-huh. life that I live, drug selling drugs is the only way that, or, I, that I can see in, you know, in my reality to, to get out of this situation. Or they never even bothered to, to you know do anything else yeah, there's also I don't know. that we're, we're getting into a, a large onion that <laughs> just i'm just it, i'm just speaking from from my own experience like from dancing with ghosts like from being a band that had yeah. like zero monthly listeners on spotify to like now we have like a, a, a respected following and are getting better opportunities and it is a thousand and one percent been Hard work, grinding, grinding, yes. grinding, hard work, promotion, just doing it yes. all yourself, hustling, like, uh, and there's just no shortcut. And, uh, yeah, I mean, same with, like, any of my work opportunities, like me becoming a karaoke DJ. Like, uh-huh. it was me barking up the tree of Keith, who didn't know me from Adam, uh, and being like, hey, how can I do this and and i had yeah. to go through a whole lot of shit to become a karaoke dj and then i parlayed that into doing weddings yeah. and and now i that's, live in my own house with a paid off yeah. car and all that and, and so that's, that's what, awesome so i i just have it's been kind of ingrained into my the fiber of my being of like 
finding your opportunities. What do I got to do uh-huh. it? Like, despite yeah. my what, what my my natural handicaps, like, what can I do to overcome it? Exactly. God, I feel like I'm having a fucking TED Talk motivational speech right now. <laughs> it's just so. It's just true for my life, though. That's exactly yeah, what I did. It is, and people it will is. ask You've me. You've overcome a lot. Like like musicians and all all these people will like want to collaborate with me and they'll want to work with me because they want some of my magic fairy dust to rub off on them and their <laughs> band because like they got a cosign from me or Dance with Ghosts. It's like, dude, you're not gonna like you're not gonna get anywhere that way. Like you have to uh-huh. do the same exact thing yeah. I did. The amount of dude, I had to explain this to a band the other day in Orlando. I was like, guys, uh. You know, because like, oh, we see your stuff on Facebook, social media all the time. We love it. You know, your stupid little videos or your songs or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you know, through playing shows, either in town or out of town, through releasing new music, through putting out music videos, through having a band TikTok, the number one thing that has gotten us more attention than any of that is posting on social media every day something new, something something different. Every fucking day, posting something. It's a grind, you know, it, it is, I, I think you set it up uh, perfectly when you were talking about how it's a, it, it's a combination of, of, of you know, skill and, and the grind. It's not just one thing or another. I mean, hell, if you promote good enough, your songs could be absolute garbage, but you will find a crowd who will like it. I mean, look yeah. at look at most of the SoundCloud rappers. I think that music <laughs> yeah. sounds like fucking garbage, but they're so good at like promoting and that music. Ha- and that's another thing is in in the music world specifically, uh, if you catch if you catch the, a trend, if you catch the breeze and ride the breeze of that trend, uh, you have you have this this ready made fan base who's hungry for more music that sounds like the shit that they're already listening to, and if you happen to make music that sounds like that too then they're gonna be like oh shit i fuck with you now too and i like you know your thing yeah, too that would have that's happened numerous times in the past i mean and that's why the hair, look at the hair metal boom well yeah you know? yeah that that was kind of before <laughs> the internet age but like hip-hop has definitely taken over that space of like the soundcloud rappers and just uh-huh. like rappers really taking to tiktok and all that to uh, and that you know, and 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 though I I'm not really a fan of of rap music that much. I mean, I do like definitely like some some like artists and some records, but um, just overall, it's not really mm-hmm. like a, a genre that appeals to me. But I will say, rappers have the rock world beat like tenfold in how they promote themselves, how they market themselves. Uh, they're just it's like a innate ability to just know how to promote. And in in doing so in such a uh, ways that are kind of leading edged, like ahead of the curve, you look at how a rapper's promoting. That's you should copy your model, but you know paste your band and your brand into it and do it the same way. But these these bands, they're they're so snooty and they're so like uh like a like entitled and they feel like they're so above having to do any of that and they like look down on that kind of like that 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 flagrant shoving your shit in people's face like oh we're we're a band with dignity we don't do that guess what nobody gives a shit who your band is nobody knows who your band is so until they do you don't have a right to sit on your throne and wait for people to come to you because they never will and i've seen it time and time again with all these bands that we play with all over florida who you know, they, they got the cool photo shoot that they did as their cover photo for their Facebook page. They have a couple of music videos. They have some songs on Spotify, and they think, well, I've built it, so now they're going to come. It's like, no, they're not. 
They're not. This they isn't Field of Dreams. Yeah, they're, they're not. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you have to be kind of a jackass. You kind of have to sell your soul a little bit, and you got to be that clown out there dancing for people. And you know, come inside, come inside the tent. Come on, you know, like, hey, you there, sir? You want to see the show inside? Like, you got to be the carnival barker, you know. And if you don't, then your tent will remain empty and. You know, you're going to sit there and you're going to watch these other guys and you're just going to start hating on them because, like, man, yeah. fuck them. Why well, they got people, you know, wearing their shirts and cheering uh-huh. for them? It's like, yeah, well, what are they doing that's different than what you're doing? They're probably out there constantly throwing their shit in people's yeah. face. About so, the effort, too. Sorry, I had to just get off on the, <laughs> the McDonald's employee. Just sent me on a wild tangent there. <laughs> Well, you won't have to worry about, you know, disgruntled McDonald's employees in the future if everything's automated. So, I mean, to be honest, any place that has a self-checkout or a self-automated thing, I always opt for the self thing than going to the person. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if the self-checkout thing still keeps, you know, going well, you know, over, you know, at Michael's because we installed like a ton of self-checkout machines recently. Oh, all the, all the Walmarts. There's, there's one. That'll just be it. There's one Walmart, uh, I think it's on, the, the street isn't going to mean anything to any of you anyway, like uh, Beach Boulevard, I think it is. Um, literally, all the uh, kiosks in there, every single one, self-checkout, not a single, they have workers who stand there if you need help, but like, yeah. there's no cashiers. And it's so awkward it's when you're weird, in that position, dude. where like, you're just standing there and you're just like, oh, you know, hey, here's our self-checkout, go ahead and, you know, put in your rewards number and... Start scanning items, and I look like I—I I feel like I'm walking into like some kind of uh, robotic, like battlefield or like <laughs> video drone or whatever the fuck. I don't I'm know. saying like if if, uh, if robotics and AI in particular continue to advance like this, like, well, it'll just be robot. Robots will just be standing there. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, the robots would probably do a better job with loss prevention because fuck it. You, you think you're gonna fuck with a robot? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. You did not pay for that. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. Excuse me, sir. You did not ma- pay for that. Like, initiating. You have ten seconds to comply. <laughs> <laughs> initiating customer takedown. Like zip ties around your legs and arms. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what's funny is like the more I think, like, because I was just dealing with it today. All that AI shit it started on the phone trees back in like mm-hmm. the '90s. That's mm-hmm. where it all started. The yeah. yeah, because they were getting so many fucking calls, it was unmanageable. Yeah, and it's like we need to, we need a way to like divert, like basically, we need like a frequently asked questions. But it's like, getting scary with AI lately, like in 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 so many different ways, like the face filters. Like there's that one on TikTok where women are showing, you know, that it makes them. It's like a beauty filter. It gives them like lip fillers and changes their face entirely, and it looks realistic. Like yeah. it actually looks real. Um, gonna take catfishing to a whole nother level. And on top of that, you know, you have like the chat GPT thing, which might just basically take over writing. As people are like, oh, I'll just have the 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 friggin' AI write my script, or I'll have the AI do this or or that. And, like, if it gets to the point where you can't even tell, like, whether or not the AI wrote, you know, the essay, like, you're going to have people going to fucking college or school and just be like, oh, dude, uh, just put in a topic into the AI and then, you know, tweak a few things and then 
turn the paper in and then Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and record this portion. Uh, if I don't recover Mike, um, his connection just like abruptly cut off. I hope to God his audio wasn't deleted because that means we'd have to do yet another podcast all over again. Um, anyway, folks, if you want to check out our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. You get the podcast early sometimes. <laughs> I need to get better about that. I really do. And for $5 a month, you can tell us what the fuck you want us to talk about within reason. Not a whole series, just one thing. Um, and um, yeah, we also have YouTube channels. Um, mine is, or Mike's is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He talks about movies, and I would ask him what the latest thing he talked about was, but uh, he's not here. So just go over there and check it out. That's youtube.com slash OCP communications. My YouTube channel is called uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. It's also in the name of my band. I would really appreciate it if you give my band a listen on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you listen to music, you'll be bound to find my band. Uh, my last video I talked about was um, Rush, Canadian band. It's the Canadian band face-off, Rush versus the Canadian band Triumph. Uh, back in the day, they were compared as basically the same band, even though... And when you listen to their hit songs, they do sound like the same fucking band, but upon deeper listens, they really are completely different bands. And... Um, so yeah, that was my video. And if you want to join our Facebook group, you can go to facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mis no, it's facebook.com, then go to groups, type in uncovering unexplained mysteries, and you'll find our group there. It's a great group, fantastic group, and no one's ever seen a better group. It's the best group ever. Anyway, sorry, bad Donald Trump impression. Um yeah, so awkwardly I'm going to finish this one on my own. Mike lost the connection there, and until next time, have a good rest of your night. And bye, and this is my impersonation impersonation of Mike. See ya!